I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hypothetically, imagine if you were going to go around killing people with cyanide. How many people do you think you could get away with killing before you got caught? One, maybe two, a couple more if you were hosting a dinner party. Could you get away with murdering more than 10 people using cyanide? Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're covering the cyanide murders in Vietnam, the murders of Le Tan Van. So Vietnam is an interesting place. Now, Le Tan Van, she was born at a really tough time for Vietnam. She was born on 5th December 1956, which was right after the Vietnam War started. And she was born in Ho Chi Minh City, which back then would have been known as Saigon. And for context, the Vietnamese war actually lasted all the way from 1955 to 1975. So a lot of the childhood years were actually spent growing up in conflict. And not just conflict, one of the most violent conflicts of the modern world. And both sides, they were pretty cruel. So if you've ever gone to Ho Chi Minh, you can take a tour of the Chu Chi Tunnels and they'll show you all the traps that they set up for American soldiers. And there's a lot of maiming, there's a lot of impaling, there's a lot of you know, torturey things involved. But, I mean, the Americans, were they, they were also pretty questionable. So they used napalm, napalm, which is a chemical that's used to burn and it actually like sticks to the skin for like optimal pain. So they also went all in with chemical warfare and allegedly the effects still impact some part of the Vietnamese population today. So... That includes people getting cancer, children being born with like birth defects. So this was really the environment that she grew up in. Now her parents were working class and her dad was a drainage worker and her mom was a midwife, so somebody that helps other people give birth. And they had a ton of kids, they had eight kids. And Le Tan Van, she was number seven. According to some sources, when she was growing up, she had kind of like a cold personality. But that's the thing, growing up in wartime will do that to you. So she fought with her family members a lot. And one suspicious thing that a lot of people consider sort of a serial killer red flag in children was that she would hit the family pets. And you know, like being cruel to animals, torturing animals, that's a serial killer red flag. So she goes to school up to grade 12, which is something like high school, junior college, polytechnic. Now, one interesting thing is that Vietnam at that point had a pretty decent literacy rate. So it's about 95%, which was actually a goal set by Ho Chi Minh, the communist leader that the city is named after. And according to his quote-unquote appeal to fight literacy, originally, the, the literacy rate in Vietnam was 20%, and it was 95% by 1965, So, which, if it's real, is actually really impressive. 
So now, okay, she goes all the way to grade 12, but she doesn't finish. She drops out halfway, and in 1975, when she's 19, she enrolls in the Military Medical School of Dentistry, which is a great path, you know. But instead of focusing on dentistry, she tries to cross the border illegally and she's arrested and sent to a re-education camp. And if you know anything about communist re-education camps, education is like the last thing on their minds. So now most re-education camps are more like prisons, um, slave labor with just like a load of propaganda thrown in. And it's not something that doesn't exist anymore today. And, you know, like, there are re-education camps in some countries, <coughs> Xinjiang. But that's another case for another day. So anyway, she's sent out there for about 16 months, and then she's released. So she gets out of jail, she starts working a couple of different jobs, and we don't know much about her life at this point of time. But in 1979, she's arrested again. And this time, it's for impersonating an army officer. She goes back to jail for a couple of months, and it, it almost becomes like a cycle for her. Alright, so now that was in 1979. A couple of years later, in 1984, she gets married for the first time. She's married to a man called Nguyen Kwang Mei, and she has two children with him. We don't know why, we don't want to speculate here, but we know that he dies later in 1984. 89, so about five years after getting married to, to Le Tan Van. And about a year later, and we don't know whether it's because she fell into some hard times or whatever after her husband died, she ends up committing some crime. And what kind of crime does she commit this time? It's forgeries and theft. And this time, she's placed in jail for 18 months, and this was in March 1990. After Van gets out of prison, she's a busy girl. She also starts working for a family as kind of like a domestic worker, helper, caretaker, mate of sorts. There is a theory out there, like floating around on Reddit and stuff, that she started experimenting when she was working with this family because one day she's making chicken noodles. On October 24th, 1992, the whole family is hospitalized from her chicken noodles. They believe it's her noodles. And it isn't some mild case of food poisoning. It isn't that she left the chicken out for too long. The wife, the matriarch of the family, her name was Bui, she ends up dying. So I think it's because of like technical limitations of the time, but they weren't able to find anything or blame her for this incident. It just felt like it had something to do with her, that the entire family got sick. So even though they weren't able to get her for the murder of the matriarch of the family, Bui, she was still convicted of fraud and sent to four years in prison. So she gets out, and in 1997, so that's about five years after working for the family, she's working at a military hospital. She's working at Military Hospital 7A in Ho Chi Minh City. And at this point of time, she meets a man called Din Van Kam. And his family owned a dental clinic in a different province. And this province was called Long Khan. And so she is out to impress and she tells him that she was a dental specialist who studied in Germany and that she knew how to speak seven languages, which is impressive for anyone. And the thing is that she was currently working at a hospital, which I think really added to her credibility, you know? And so he ends up offering her a job in his family clinic because, I mean, she sounds so great. And this seems to be a fresh start for Le Tan Van. And she ends up accepting this offer, which I think 
is what she was kind of gunning for anyway. And after she moves to the new province, she ends up marrying another employee in the same clinic. And this employee's name, very important, was Dui Dan Kuang, her latest husband. So I guess she wasn't that great of a dentist or a dental assistant because business at this clinic just wasn't particularly good. Or maybe just because dental care is so expensive in some parts of the world, especially with like the cost of living. So it, it was very maybe it's very hard to prioritize dental care in Vietnam. But at this point of time, the business wasn't doing particularly well. And so her boss's mom, Vo Thai Lai, was actually suggesting, why don't we fire Kwang? And guess who overheard this? It was Van. Le Tan Van overheard this. And so one day, while the big boss was away, Le Tan Van, she made a glass of lemonade with a very special ingredient. She made a glass of lemonade with cyanide. And she gave this class to her boss's mom on 3rd January 1998. Cyanide is a very fast-acting poison and the mom collapsed within half an hour. And so at this point of time, there were only two people in the area. And they were Van and her husband, Kwang. And so they actually bring her to the emergency room, but it isn't like a regret thing. The mom ends up dying because the dose was lethal. And to add insult to injury, they steal her money. They steal about 900,000 Vietnamese dong. And that's about 50 Singapore dollars. Now, her next victim was a security guard for the Tian Fu Company in the Tan Bin District. And so this was the company that was leasing to her the dental office, the dental facility. So to give you a little bit of perspective, the dental facility was about half a million dong. And that's about $25 or so in Singapore dollars. So when you actually think about it, the 900000 was quite a lot of money. And so she also poisoned him. And we don't know why she targeted this security guard. But maybe it's because he trusted her or maybe it was just an opportunistic thing. But we don't actually know the real reason and it's all just speculation. Now the security guard's name was Kwa Kam Min. And so she gave him some poisoned alcohol. Which makes me think that they were friends because you wouldn't just accept the drink from anyone. And then she actually took him to the Tan Bin Medical Center where he died. And when he died, she went back to his house and stole another 900,000 dong from him. So we can tell that she, she has kind of started poisoning everyone around her. And we don't know much about her relationship with this next victim. But it's very stereotypical that mother-in-laws and daughters-in-laws don't typically get along and I mean it's it's a stereotype but it really depends because sometimes you love your mother-in-law. So Le Tan Van, the next person she ends up poisoning was her mother-in-law and she poisoned her mother-in-law's tea and this time it wasn't a 900,000 dong payout. This time the payout was actually 2.8 million Dong. And 2.8 million dong is about 160 Singapore dollars. Another thing about this particular killing is we don't know whether her husband knew that she was going to poison her mother-in-law. But I, I don't know, depending on their relationship, I don't think he would have been very appreciative of it. So another thing is that Van, Letan Van, she seems to have an issue with her in-laws because it isn't just her mother-in-law. 
after her mother-in-law. She also goes after her brother-in-law. And this one might have been more opportunistic because it doesn't look like she set up a trap for this, not in the way that she did for her boss's mom or for the security guard. Her brother-in-law, Le Van Kam, broke his finger, which is very unfortunate. And this happened on 24th of February, 1999. At this point of time, we know that Le Tan Van has at least killed three people and she's been killing for like two years. And if you ever watched any true crime documentaries, you should know that apparently it gets much easier after the first kill. And so, her brother-in-law, thinking that his sister-in-law is a medical professional, asked her to give him medicine. And while she's putting together the medicine, she adds in another secret ingredient, which is cyanide. And so he ends up poisoned, and she sends him to another hospital. And this time, it's the Gyadin People's Hospital. So she ends up also poisoning her brother-in-law. At this point of time, it seems that Le Tan Van has managed to fly under the radar. And she's getting more and more confident, so now she's going to target people outside of her immediate circle. She pretends to be a medical professional, and she offers a free checkup to a woman called Ho Chi Mong Dao. And somewhere on the way to the checkup, they were like, oh, let's get a snack or something. And while her friend wasn't looking, she poisoned her. And as usual, she brings a friend to the emergency room in a hospital in Ho Chi Minh. But this time, guess what? The friend actually survives. The dose wasn't lethal. And because it seemed more like an accident, it seemed that maybe she got sick from something else, the hospital actually released the friend back into Le Tan Van's clutches. And we don't know if the friend suspected anything, but clearly not because later that night, she ends up poisoning the friend and making sure that the job is finished. I feel that when you look at her pattern of behavior, at some point of time, it feels like Le Tan Van was like, oh, you know what? Why don't I just kill people to get things that I want? Because when we look at the next killing, at this point of time, it just becomes a means to an end. A couple of months after the checkup poisoning, she poisons a man called Vo Huru Kim. And Vo was working as a company director. And the reason why she poisoned him was because she wanted his motorbike. And we can tell it's getting easier and easier for her. So let's do a quick recap of like the kill count. So officially, we have the mother of her boss at the dental clinic. Then we have the security guard in the dental clinic, um, who was the security guard for the building. We have her mother-in-law, her brother-in-law, and then we also have the friend, the quote-unquote friend, who thought she was getting a health checkup. So that's five people already that she's kind of killed for money or material reasons. And so now we're up to person six, for Huru Kim, who she wanted his motorbike. And at this point of time, we also don't know if she was fired or if she changed jobs on her own accord. But in 2000s, she was hired under a fake name, Lee Lai Lan. And she ends up cooking a meal for Vo, and this was like rice vermicelli, so like rice noodles, or maybe like pho. And he slowly poisoned. And this time is not so immediate because he ends up dying on 14th April 2000. But Le Tan Van is not done with killing. From April to June, by the end of June, two more people were poisoned. Nguyen Van Dong and Tran Ti Xin. 
allegedly looking at the pattern of behavior, it's very likely that the killer was Le Tan Ban. So now the kill count is up to eight. And killing wasn't enough for her. Le Tan Ban, she actually sent a letter to one of her victim's relatives. And she sends a letter to Tran Ti Sin's relative saying that, oh, you know what? I sold my car to him before he died and the car was worth 200 million dong. And that would have been around $11,000. Anyway, your, your relative actually owes me this $11,000. And at this point, you as the listener, you're like, oh my god, the police are incompetent because there's this trail of death following this woman around. But the police, they actually managed to arrest her for murder and robbery. And when when they look through her handbag, they find 2.8 grams of cyanide. And for perspective, a fatal dose for humans is about 1 to 3 milligrams per kilogram for the person's body weight. And so I googled this. To kill someone who is about 72 kilograms, if a person who is 72 kilograms eats like half a gram of cyanide, half a gram... The probability he'll die in 3 days is over 90%. So 2.8 grams could have actually killed like 4 people. Now at this point of time, it was also really hard to detect cyanide. So they did toxicology reports but they couldn't find anything on her latest 2 victims. But she still charged for fraud but she was also still released on bail on 15th January 2001. So that's like not actually that long ago, that's like 20 years ago. And you think that Le Tan Van would start to lie low, but no, she isn't over it because she's used to murdering people now. And in March 2001, she meets an old friend. And this old friend's name was Nguyen Trang Zhu. And you know when you meet old friends, you just want to catch up. So they hop on his motorbike, they go to a cafe and they were going to have a chat over soy milk. And now while her friend was there, he noticed some issues with his motorbike and he started like to tinker on his motorbike without looking at his soy milk because why would you, right? And at this point, you know what's coming. Le Tan Van poisons her friend with cyanide in his soy milk and within 15 minutes, he falls sick and he's brought to a hospital where he literally dies 5 hours later. And at this point of time, it was really hard to figure out the cause of death as cyanide. The doctors looked at him and they were like, oh, you know what? It looks like he died from stroke. And because her friend died, she steals 74,000 dong and his phone. And that's about $4 and his phone. To show you what a horrible person she was, she actually tries to overcharge her friend's family for funeral expenses. So for example, if the funeral was like 10000 she told the friend's family that the funeral was like 15000 but obviously her friend's son was like, no, you're, you're obviously lying. So instead, she takes his motorbike and she puts his motorbike up for sale for like 2.8 million dong. So now the kill count is up to 9 people. The initial 5, her new employer that she poisoned with rice noodles for the motorbike, her two acquaintances and her old friend. And she was still out and about and she was still killing people. But the police, they really were suspicious. But they couldn't just arrest her for no reason. Because there's like due process, right? But I think that she knew that they were coming for her. So she runs away to another district. And she runs away to the Trang Bomb district. At this point of time, I'm not sure if she's trying to set up a new dental practice. But she meets this woman called Tao Zhi Ko. And she was trying to tell this woman that she was a totally legit dentist and she had a totally legit dental practice. 
But this woman was like, oh, you know what? This doesn't seem like a legit dental certificate. And so instead of just taking the loss, Latan Van poisons this woman as well. So probably that she couldn't be reported for using a fake dental practice certification. And I know we're just going through people, but there's really so many victims. Later that same year, in June, she kills a man called Tran Van Khoi for his motorbike again. And she also kills another woman called Vi Thi Tan. And she even takes over the woman's clothing store and she even sells her victim's land for money. And at this point of time, the kill count is at least 12 people. And the police are certain that the longer she's out there, the more people she's going to kill. And so eventually, they end up just charging her for illegal possession of cyanide, of poison. And she was arrested in the village of Dark Lek. And I don't think that at that point of time, the Vietnamese police, they had any sort of like central database because this happened over a number of different provinces. So it took them about half a year from early July 2002 to match the unsolved murders to her. And so we also need to segue a little to her husband. Do you remember her husband? The one that she married at the dental clinic where she killed her boss's mum. She was still married to him. And there were suspicions that he was involved, but regardless, he was arrested as well because he likely knew that she was a murderer and didn't tell the police because how can you not, right? And the trial started on 25th of August and Le Tan Van was charged with killing 13 people and she was considered to be Vietnam's first modern serial killer. And of course, she said that she was innocent and she just coincidentally happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. And she was very kindly bringing her victims to the emergency room and that she was being forced to testify by the police. Within three days, she actually fainted in court and the doctor was like, oh, this seems like a psychological problem. The prosecutors in the case went to court with the death sentence and they also wanted to get her husband for at least... 20 years and now her husband ended up receiving a 21 year sentence for being an accomplice in her murders and she got the death sentence. They appeal in the Supreme People's Court to try to avoid the death sentence for her and reduce the jail time for her husband. And what's interesting is that the jail time for her husband was actually reduced to 17 years from the 21 years but she still kept her death sentence. She also requested a presidential pardon from the president at the time, Tran Dak Luang, who obviously rejected this request. And on October 26, 2005, at a cemetery in Tu Dao Mot, which is a downtown area in Ho Chi Minh City, Le Tan Van was executed by firing squad, which I guess would have been pretty convenient because, you know, she's already at a cemetery. I think it's really interesting how at that point of time she was able to get away with so much and I think we see another trend where a lot of the female serial killers in the past couple of centuries were very financially motivated as compared to like male serial killers who tend to be more you know emotionally or sexually motivated to kill. I'm not sure what do you think? You can leave a comment in the bottom of the Spotify commenting things below. And as always, you can find me at a briefcase podcast on Instagram and online at a briefcasepodcast.com. And do remember to join us next week for another briefcase.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.